Hey, welcome to the podcast, More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and I'm your host for this Monday through Friday Pause to Ponder Scripture. This is episode number 263, so if you are listening for the very first time, there are a bunch more episodes. And other than this Lent series and an Advent series, all the others are pretty much timeless. In other words, it, it won't really matter when you listen to them, what year even, or or what the season is. My hope and my prayer is... And I guess my opinion is that if if they have value, they will have value whenever you listen. So after the Lent series, feel free to check them out. But for now, we are on episode number 13 of our Lent series. The season of Lent starts with Ash Wednesday. It goes up through Resurrection Sunday, and it's it's meant to be a time of preparation. And that's why our general theme is preparing for more more life, more resurrection power in our life, more of the purposes of God, and especially more of Christ's presence, more of the Spirit, more God in our lives. Over the course of the last few episodes, we've been touching on some of the themes of Lent, suffering and sacrifice, Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, the more of the Spirit of God, and and lately it's been all about fasting, giving up giving up food or or something to prepare for more. And, and perhaps in some ways, fasting is one of the most recognizable parts of Lent, right? Especially for those of us who didn't grow up in liturgical churches. I mean, even if you didn't grow up in a liturgical church, you may not know what that ash cross thing is on people's foreheads, but you know that Fish Fry Fridays somehow connected to Lent. How are they connected, you might ask? Well, they are connected through the practice of fasting, I know, because I asked. (laughs) During Lent, some people, especially from the Catholic Church, are traditionally called to abstain from eating meat on Fridays as a form of fasting. And and particularly, they're called to fast from red meat. But fish is often exempt from this restriction for a handful of historical reasons. So fish fries during Lent became a popular way for Catholic communities, as well as some other denominations, to to come together for a meal and fast for Lent. In fact, the tradition expanded beyond religious context. Even McDonald's has gotten in on it. But a variety of organizations and restaurants host fish fries during Lent. Just a little bit of history. So we're going to do two more episodes on fasting. This one and then a kind of a wrap-up. And and in this episode, we're going to go to one more Old Testament account of fasting in an attempt, I guess, to say what fasting is not what the place of fasting is not. So listen along as I read from the Old Testament prophet. I'm reading Isaiah chapter 58 from the New International Version. Here's what it says. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion. These are the words of God. I'm saying these are the words of God. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? And yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it, is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? 
Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, God says, to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then... Do these things, God says, and then, verse 8, your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you'll call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. Restore of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and the feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." See, I think Isaiah 58 is a passage of Scripture that in some ways is all about getting God's attention. It contains some thoughts on what fasting is and what it isn't. It contains some some thoughts on the importance of prayer and the deep desire to make a difference. Isaiah reminds us that we will not make a difference if we don't pray, but our prayers won't be heard if we don't care about the people around us. If you remember in the last episode, the giving up of fasting is a spiritual practice of caring, of allowing our hearts to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And we said that fasting is is also kind of a way of turbocharging your prayer life and, and seeking, truly seeking the more of God. So I love, I, I, lo- I so love the more that is described in Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is this amazing portrait, a picture of more, not just internal to us, but external through us, especially in verses 8 through 12. We get this portrait of life that goes beyond what we can imagine. But go ahead and and for a moment, just try to imagine life like this. Your salvation will come like the dawn. Your healing will come quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. God's got your back. And then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, here I am. He will quickly reply. Your light will shine out from the darkness. The darkness around you will be as bright as the day. God will guide you continually, watering your life when you're dry, keeping you healthy. You will be, I love this picture, you will be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. Your children will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. You'll be known as the people who rebuild their cities. Can you just imagine that? Imagine a life filled with hope and healing, salvation, rescue, redemption, restoration, healing. It's really all about hope that no matter how dark the night, you can live life filled with hope like the dawn of a new day. You know what? A marriage can survive almost anything if there's hope. 
A church becomes a, a vital part of a community when it gives hope. When there's hope, kids don't do drugs, they thrive. When there's hope, life goes on in spite of the mistakes and the hurts of the past. Man, God wants to pour out so much hope that our valleys flow with hope, that hope runs down the streets of our neighborhoods. Imagine a life lived knowing that God's got my back. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. When you call, he'll quickly answer. Wouldn't knowing that cause us to be more generous with our time and our money? Man, it would destroy anxiety and fear. Imagine having a full life and and a heritage, something to leave behind. I mean, can you imagine a life of contentment, free from chasing stuff that never fully satisfies? What would your family be like or your neighborhood or your workplace, your your school, your classroom, if your life, your life personally, your not just everybody else's, but your life was like a garden overflowing with good stuff, no weeds, just fruit, flowers, harvest. Can you imagine a life like this? but more because it's a life with a heritage. Your your children will rebuild the deserted ruins of the city. This is what Isaiah is describing in chapter 58 as what will happen as long as we've got God's attention. And that's a key part, right? God's attention. Do you think you have God's attention today? I mean, do you think it's even possible to get God's attention? I fast and I pray and I prepare for more because I want this kind of life. And and somewhere deep in my heart, I, I recognize, you do too, we recognize that the only hope we have for getting this kind of life is found in getting God's attention. Have you ever had trouble getting someone's attention? How about God? Do you feel like you've ever had trouble getting God's attention? Or is that just me? <laughs> it seems like such an important part of preparing for more, Right? Preparing for more, such an important part of preparing for more is getting the attention of the one who has all the more that we're seeking. In the first part of Isaiah 58, they were trying to get God's attention. They, they're blowing the trumpet, calling a sacred assembly. They're seeking God daily. It, it, it appeared they appreciated good teaching, understanding God's ways. They loved going to what was for them church. They were even fasting, very spiritual, but but for all they were doing, they could not get God's attention. And so they're asking, man, what's up, God? <laughs> we're fasting, but you're not paying attention. What, what do we have to do to get your attention? And God basically said, quit being religious and start being good. Quit being religious and start being compassionate and kind. The kind of fasting I want calls you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly. Give them what they earn. I want you to share your food with the hungry. Welcome wanders into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them. Don't hide from relatives who need your help. Oh, my goodness. Man, that, that's that's got to be the worst part of all of it. I, I can clothe those who who need clothes and feed those who are hungry, but... <laughs> Don't hide from relatives who need your help. If you do these sins, God says, your salvation will come like the dawn. Your healing will come quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward. The glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. When you call, God will answer, I'm here. He'll quickly reply. So stop oppressing the helpless. Stop making false accusations. Stop spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry. Help those in trouble. Then your light will shine like the darkness and God will guide you You will be like a well-watered garden. Your children will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. 
1980, Tommy Bartlett moved from Davenport, Iowa to pastor a church in Phoenix, Arizona. And and in the next, I don't know, 20, 30 years, First Assembly of God grew from 250 people to over 15,000. Moody Monthly Magazine honored them repeatedly as one of the most vital churches in North America. The size is not nearly as remarkable to me as the reason, at least what they state is the reason for the size. In an address to the Evangelical Association of New England, Pastor Barnett gave the reason. He said, we try to find a hurt, and when we do, we kind of jump up and click our heels because we found that when we find a hurt and heal it, we get the attention of God. Do you ever notice who gets God's attention in the Bible? There's that lady living in poverty who gave her small coin. There's Rahab, the owner of a house of prostitution. There was the blind, the homeless, and hungry, broken families. There was Zacchaeus, the embezzling traitor. Basically, anyone that nobody else wanted or cared for, anyone broken or held captive. And one day it dawned on Tommy, if I could just round up all the people that nobody else wants and bring them to church, I'll have the attention of God. I mean, isn't that what God is saying in Isaiah 58? If you want to get my attention, care about what I care about. Let your heart beat with my heartbeat. Go where I am. Serve the people on my heart. Tim Keller was a pastor in New York before he died, Redeemer Presbyterian. It was one of the congregations in America that that really served its community in tangible ways. Keller talked about a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs eleven ten, where it says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And he said that, that basically this verse means there's a certain group of people that when they rise to the top, when they do well, when they're rewarded with a promotion, when they make it, nobody around them is envious, nobody complains or grumbles. Why? Because these people live their lives in such a way with such a character of integrity and such a heart of kindness and compassion that people around them say, I'm glad. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad that she got that promotion. Them doing well, this is good news for everybody. Now, in our day, the word righteous has lost some of its glory as a word, right? When we use it, we often mean someone who's self-righteous, judgmental. It's not a compliment. Usually we hear someone saying, quit being so righteous, Keller says that biblically, the righteous ones are defined this way. They are those who are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. They're willing to disadvantage themselves to bless the community. Jesus was the model for this. I mean, he gave up everything for others. He spent his whole life redefining and redeeming the word righteous. If you want to be righteous, do good. Be the greatest servant. Help the helpless, house the homeless, feed the hungry, heal the broken. Live life in such a way that the community will miss your heart and your hands when you're gone. (laughs) You've heard the statement, God helps those who help themselves. Not only is that not in the Bible, I think it might be the attitude that got Satan in trouble. See, God helps those who can't help themselves. But do you know what else Isaiah 58 tells me? It tells me that God hears those who help others. See, if you want to get God's attention, it's not enough to be religious. It's not enough to do religious things. You have to do righteous things. Fasting is great, but not if it's just a religious thing. You know, there are a lot of things that Calvary does wrong. (laughs) But I think that God often overlooks some of what we do wrong because we have people here who are allowing God to deepen their hearts for those in need, those in the margins. 
Bill Leslie had a remarkable ministry at LaSalle Street Church in Chicago, and he told of a time when he nearly had a breakdown, physical, emotional, spiritual, all of it, and a spiritual mentor directed him to Isaiah 58. And, and Leslie said it was verses 10 through 11 that turned his life around, where God says, if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the f- afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness. Your gloom will become like midday, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you'll be like a watered garden, like a, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And what struck Pastor Leslie so powerfully was the fact that if we pour ourselves out for others, God promises to make us like a watered garden. That is, we'll get the water we need for our refreshment, for our growth, but even more, we will be a spring of water that does not fail for others, no matter how demanding or draining. This gave Pastor Leslie a pattern for divine life that got him through his crisis and kept him going for years longer. You see, there is something very close to the heart of Jesus in Isaiah 58. Jesus announced his own calling with similar words. The Spirit of God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim deliverance to the captives. Isaiah 58 is a beautiful portrait of the more that we are preparing for. It's light in the darkness and healing for wounds. God's got our backs. God's immediate presence, hearing and guiding, never failing streams of water for dry souls, being so watered by the Lord that we can refresh others, being so used by God to rebuild what has been destroyed. We just need to get God's attention. (laughs) See, fasting is less about getting God's attention and more about helping us become the kind of people who get his attention. We say that again, fasting is just a tool, it's a practice, it's a, a spiritual discipline, but, but the act of fasting is not what gets God's attention. Fasting is less about getting God's attention and more about helping us become the kind of people who have his heart, who get his attention. Let me pray. Father God, I, I pray for each and every person listening. God, uh, some of us listening, man, we're we're, we are in need of water for our souls. We, we feel like we're living in broken places. The gates are burned down. God, I, I pray that, that you would pour life. I pray that you would pour your spirit out upon those who, who feel like there's no hope. But God, I, I pray also for your church. God, I, I pray that you would help your church Become like the heart of Jesus described in Isaiah 58. I pray that you would help us to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim deliverance to the captives. I pray that we would be a light in the darkness, that we'd bring healing for wounds, that that we would experience your immediate presence listening to and guiding us, that we would be like never-failing streams of water for dry souls being so watered by the Lord that we can refresh others, being used by God to rebuild what has been destroyed. God, would you place your heart, your hands, your your, your eyes and your ears upon us? Would you help us to be the kind of people who get your attention? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.